0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Concern of the Times podcast. I'm Howard Green. And today we have a very important subject to talk about with all the geopolitical tension in the Middle East and the situation with Israel. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you to please subscribe and rate and like our podcast. Uh, Let's not waste any more time and we'll dig right into the uh, subject matter. Glad you're with us today. What I wanted to discuss today is a topic I'll call the time to act is now. And the reason why I say that is looking at the events on our globe, in the world, in just the past 10, 12 days, uh, ever since Saturday, October 7th of 2023, um, I would say the prophetic clock, the things that are happening in this world, have really begun to accelerate uh, um time uh, until we get to Jesus' return. The uh, Israeli Defense Force did a screening of a lot of the uh,
1: Hamas video. Some of them wore GoPros. There was security video. Uh, There are cell phones that have been seized. There's even audio that has been seized. And they did it in a very deliberate attempt to try to show the Hamas savagery and combat the narrative that you've seen with demonstrations and in much of the media uh, that Israel is the aggressor. Now, most of what we saw today we can't show you simply because it's too horrible. Uh, But I can tell you some what we saw, a dash cam video of Israelis being ambushed in their cars. Uh, We saw a girl hiding under a desk. She was discovered and executed. Israelis huddled in a safe room, who were massacred in the safe room. There was a father and his two little boys who uh, tried to seek shelter in their bomb shelter. The Hamas attacker threw a grenade into the shelter. The father was killed. The two little boys survived. It looked like one of the little boys uh, lost an eye. They both screamed for their father and they screamed for their mothers. The attackers took selfies with a truckload of wounded hostages as they drove back to the Gaza Strip. The IDF even released a phone call in which one of the attackers called back to his parents and bragged that he had killed 10 people and they should be proud because their son is a hero. Here's the IDF spokesman.
0: It wasn't sporadic freedom fighters fighting as a welfare organization. That's how Hamas portrays themselves to the world. But what you saw here today is brutal, ruthless tactics...
1: There's growing concern in Washington about a wider war starting in the Middle East. The U.S. has already sent warships and troops to the region and is now deploying more air
2: defense missiles. So West Asia is like a tinderbox right now. Multiple stakeholders, heavily armed and not shy of using force. It is a volatile cocktail of violence and politics. What could make it worse? Try Chinese warships, because they're already there, six of them. The PLA, the Chinese army, has sent six warships to West Asia. It's not clear when they arrived, but last week they made their presence known.
0: And let me discuss first what I think about October 7th, um, 2023. Just a week and a half ago, you had over a thousand or more barbaric men cross the border, left the Gaza Strip into Israel and hit uh, several kibbutzim, uh, several villages, and even some larger towns with, I think up to now we're up to over 6,000 rockets, but that day it was like 2,500 rockets, RPGs, things like that. Uh, the rocket fire was continuous. So these men crossed the border. They, they were on in trucks, motorcycles, paragliders, and they had one goal when they got into Israel, and that was to destroy innocent lives, to kill innocent people, moms, dads, little girls, little boys, teenagers, infants, the elderly, in the most barbaric ways. I mean, things that were done to humans that you shouldn't even have to think of or speak of, but they were done to these uh, dear Jewish people. And it's a nightmare to even go there and to consider what had happened in your mind. But it, the fact is, it happened. We can't look away. We can't pretend these things happened. Why? Because they have an enemy that wants nothing more than to destroy them. They don't want land. They don't want peace. They want to destroy the Jews. And I say this as a Christian and as a friend uh, to Israel. Um, we need to stand with Israel. We need to stand with the Jewish people. Um, our hearts are for them. We love them. Uh, We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And when we see what happened, uh, you know, 10 days ago, uh, the Saturday before last, and and we see the images and and we hear the stories um, of the barbaric things that were done, our hearts are breaking with the people of Israel. As an American, as a Christian, my heart breaks with, with... uh, the people there and the stories that I've heard and, and, the, and even the acts of, 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 of self-sacrifice and, and heroism from, from men and women, civilians and, and people in the IDF and, and paramedics and some of the stories that are coming out of there, out of the, the, the humanity and the love for other people. And, and what a contrast that, that is to the hate that we saw come across the border, these barbaric men that did, that, that killed indiscriminately. Um, and then took many people back with them, back to the uh, tunnels there in the Gaza Strip. So our hearts are breaking with Israel. As, as Christians, we mourn with you. Um, so speaking of that, um, we're going to go into our topic, which the time to act is now, but I want to actually cover something very quickly, and I've discussed this before in a few articles, uh, namely the facts about Palestine and another one called Christ at the Checkpoint. Uh, and then there was actually another one called um, uh, Replacements, Israel, and Bible Prophecy. All three of those articles you can find on the website uh, at But Let's talk about the Jewish people uh, very quickly and uh, what I believe will be a, a Christian attitude towards the Jewish people. So number one, we have an Abrahamic covenant, an Abrahamic promise, a promise to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you in Genesis uh, chapter 12. And we understand that God made many promises to Israel, uh, his covenant people, just like he's made to the church. But we'll talk about Israel uh, specifically just for a minute here. That God made specific promises to Israel um, that have been fulfilled, that are being fulfilled, and that will continue to be fulfilled until the end of time, until uh, we wrap things up, the end of history. And God's covenants are always true, uh, always uh right, and always spot on. God is not a covenant breaker. He's not a promise breaker. Amen? Let's continue. Here's a few examples uh, uh, of the um, promises and, and the, things, uh, the things that God said about his, uh, his covenant people. Amos chapter 9. The Bible says, I will plant them in the land, never to be uprooted again. And we'll continue, Jeremiah 30, I will bring them back to the land, the land of Israel. Isaiah 66, and I'm paraphrasing, who has heard such a thing? Shall a nation be born in one day? And then we think of uh, May 14th, uh, 1948, amen? And then Joel chapter three, I will gather all nations to the Valley of Jehoshaphat and judge them there because they divided my land. And then we go from the Old Testament and we go into the New Testament. Listen to what Paul says. And he's talking to us. He says, I ask, has God rejected his people? And then Paul says, by no means. And then Paul goes on to say, did they, the Jews, did they stumble in order to fall? And Paul says it again, by no means. Through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then he continues. Paul reminds us of something that we all were. Remember, we were all disobedient at one time. And then Paul says, just as you were disobedient, they, the Jews, have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also receive mercy. So, this is how Paul speaks of um, his brethren, the Jews, in the New Testament. We have the prophets in the Old Testament. We have Paul and, and, and the other apostles speaking about Israel in the New Testament, namely Paul in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. And I would really encourage you to study those chapters very carefully. And here's the thing God spoke to his prophets, and he spoke to us uh, through uh, them as well and from the uh, epistles. Uh, you know, letters to uh, the church at the time and to us. And here's the thing since they were in Israel in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Paul mentions them in God's plan. And here's my question If Paul speaks to the church about Israel and the Jews, and the prophets do the same, and we have this continuum on through history and we get to now, who are we collectively as Christians? Who are we to say that the church, or we have replaced Israel? I can hear Paul saying right now, by no means. You know, we're grafted in. Um, but we can't... Um, we, we can't despise the root. We can't despise the, 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 the original branches. We're grafted in. Amen? The reason I say this is because... Um, I know in many Christian circles, or I would say in some well-known Christian circles, there are some Christians who believe that the church has replaced Israel. And we know that as supersessionism, or as we call it, um, replacement theology. And here's the problem with that. It's just not biblical. I mean, again, you don't have to be a Bible scholar or a preacher to read Romans 9, 10, and 11 and say, oh, God is not finished with Israel. And then you continue on and go into Revelation uh, chapter 5 forward, and you realize, oh no, God is not done with Israel. The reason I say this is because I've heard it said several times, I mean several times, um, including through some well-known teachers and also in some churches that I've attended, unfortunately. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, This is a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, During the time, there were some uh, problems with Israel at the border and Hamas and Hezbollah. Some things were going on. This was after, um, I think, the uh, second Intifada. Uh, But there was some static there. And so we had sort of a a Sunday question and answer time at this church I was attending at the time. Gentleman gets up, thinking about the election that was coming up between uh, President Obama and uh, Senator Mitt Romney. And the guy... And I'm paraphrasing, this is a long time ago, but he asked the question, as a Christian, what about Israel? How do we consider Israel in this election coming up and how do we pray for Israel? And then uh, one of the pastors on staff at this church said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said a few things and said, well, we believe that this Israel is not that Israel, that this Israel that's in the land now is not that Israel. And I thought to myself, and I say it again, how unfortunate that something like that could be said at what is supposedly a solid biblical church. It can't be that biblical if you make a statement like that. Um, And I heard another brother, another friend, um, say uh, a while back that, and I think this is very true, watch someone's eschatology. If their eschatology is flawed, then oftentimes that's reflected in their theology. So in a nutshell, twisted eschatology, the study of the end times, reveals itself through a lot of twisted theology. And I would say that's right, and vice versa too. You got bad theology, your eschatology tends to be messed up as well. I'm not talking about uh disagreeing on the timing of the rapture or you know speculating about this or that or or peripheral issues but i'm talking about some of the larger aspects of eschatology yes there will be a rapture yes we believe in the premillennial uh, coming of jesus we believe in a literal 1000 year reign of jesus on this earth some of these larger aspects of eschatology of Bible prophecy, end-time Bible prophecy teaching, that we could say, oh yes, absolutely. But when people get that wrong and say things like, well, this Israel is not the biblical Israel or that Israel, you got to question a lot of other things. And more often than not, you can go to some of these churches and see that their theology is off. It may not It's not terrible, but there are some things that just aren't right. And it shows in their evangelism and discipleship and, and right on down the line. But that's Another subject for another day, and we've covered that in the past, actually. But no, we believe that this Israel that's in the land today, and the Jews there, this Israel is that Israel. See, here's the thing. I I look through Bible history. I look at the Old Testament. I look at the prophets. I look at the epistles that that were written to the church. and And if this Israel is not that Israel, I'm saying, well, where is the break? Because it wasn't when the Jews were taken out of Israel by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C., because he went back to the land. And it wasn't when Jesus was in the lambs, he talked about Israel and never have I found such faith in all of Israel uh, prior to AD 70 when the Romans uh, destroyed the temple and, and took the Jews away. So, when was it? When did this Israel stop being that Israel? Well, friends, that just makes no biblical sense. God has always had His hand and a plan on the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, and miraculously, and 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 through impossible odds, after two thousand years and a, and a almost forgotten language, has God brought Israel back to the land, the Jews back to their promised land, and May Fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight, retook the capital of Jerusalem in nineteen sixty-seven during the Six Day War and through other trials in the Yom Kippur War and, and the problems in the 80s and the intifadas of the 90s and early 2000s right up to October 7th of just two weeks ago God loves the Jewish people. This Israel is that Israel. And friends, the promises of God, the covenant of God is always yes and amen. These things are continuing to be fulfill, fulfilled at a rapid pace. And as far as God's heart for the Jews and Paul's heart for the Jews. When he spoke about them, listen to this. This is Paul's heart, the Apostle Paul, and God's heart for the Jews. And really, it should be the desire of every Christian that loves the Lord and loves other people. Here's God's heart for the Jews. This is what Paul said. My heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they might be saved. That's it. As a believer, that is my heart for the Jewish people and for Gentiles, for everyone in this world. It is my heart's desire, and my prayer, that they might be saved, amen? So how is this done? It's done like it is for every every person on this planet. And here's the thing. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You'll be saved. You'll be saved. You come to repentance, you bow the knee, you acknowledge your sins, that I'm a sinful person, that I need God in my life. The only way to have God in my life is to come through his son, Jesus, who atoned for our sins on the cross. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that yes, God did raise him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. So that's our heart for the Jewish people. That's our heart for all people. But let me say this in closing before we move on to the time to act is now is this. As believers, as Christians, we stand with Israel. Our heart breaks because of what happened a week and a half ago. I hope and I pray and I prayed uh, for the peace of Jerusalem for a quick closure to the problems that they're dealing with there, that the hostages will be rescued, that the perpetrators, the evil people would come to justice and would be neutralized. they wouldn't be a threat anymore to innocent people and that Israel could dwell securely in that land. and isn't that the isn't that the theme of this book really from Genesis 12 all the way to Revelation 22 that they could dwell peaceably in the land, and they will be his people and he will be their God. That's, that's the Lord's heart, friends, and that should be every Christian's heart. And yes, our heart breaks uh, for the innocent people that are caught in the crossfire and, and some of the people uh, that are in, in, the, in, the, in the Gaza Strip that can't get out because Hamas won't let them out. I mean, our heart breaks for those um, people and, and, and women and children too. But friends, we have to look at what happened on October 7th and understand that Israel was attacked. They didn't go to war because they wanted to go to war. They went to war because, as at the count now, I think it's 1,700 other citizens were brutally murdered. So, let's continue. Why do I say, and this is extremely important, I think this is one of the most important podcasts and videos that I've made. The time to act is now. And what do I mean by this? Well, dear friends, we're close to the end. I mean, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled every day. And here's the thing. You read Matthew 24. You read uh, Mark 13. Luke 21. All cover the Olivet Discourse. That's when Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples went to him privately. You know the story. And said, Master, Rabbi, Teacher, tell us when would these things be? When will be your coming? And what will be the sign of the close of the age? And of course, Jesus goes through, um, he gives him a, a long discourse on things that will happen just prior to his return. It's called the Olivet Discourse, written, uh, spoken, and disciples on the Mount of Olives. Matthew, read it yourself. Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. They all have their um, coverage of the, uh, what Jesus' words were on the Mount of Olives to the disciples when he said, they said, asked him, what were the signs of your coming? And we know what Jesus said, wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, um, spiritual deception, he says many times. But here's the thing. Again, like all signs in the Bible, Jesus compares these things uh, to birth pains. As he speaks of the signs of his coming here in the Bible, he compares those signs to birth pains. These are labor contractions that a woman will go through prior to birth. What happens as the time of the birth gets near, we have cr- contractions with greater frequency, becoming closer together each time, closer together until the baby appears. Same way. We have not only closer together, but we have an increase in severity. We have an increase in intensity. Anybody that has been in a room with a woman giving birth knows what I'm talking about, right? I mean, frequency and severity. So Jesus used obstetrics to compare the signs of his coming. Because people would say, oh, we've always had wars. There's always been trouble in Israel. Those people will never get it right. I mean, it's Isaac and Ishmael. I mean, come on, this is old news Howard. No, no, no. More frequent and more severe. The way these signs are increasing. And just a few weeks ago, I did an article or an article called AI and the coming Antichrist. And we talk about spiritual deception. We talk about wars and rumors of wars. And look at how things are just increasing these signs exponentially every day, every week. I mean, you can't turn on the internet or the TV or the radio without hearing. Man, things are just coming along so fast. I mean, it's like before you know it, Jesus will come back. And, you know, we have people that essentially Christians and non-Christians alike, not all, but some, have their heads buried in the proverbial sand thinking this life will continue as it always has, right? That's why Jesus compared the time before his coming to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and then the flood took them away. Or in Sodom and Gomorrah's case, judgment came. It's interesting to me that Jesus compared the days prior to his coming to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, days of Lot, and the days of Noah. And isn't it the same way now? We have these signs increasing. But we have people that are burying their heads in the sand, eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage, you know, going about their life, which is fine. We all go about our life. But with their heads in the sand, like this is all going to continue as it always has. That's the reason many Christians don't witness, don't preach the gospel, don't evangelize, don't share their faith, don't give their testimony. And if some, and some of them, some of them that do, they do it with such tepidity in such um, uh, just all oh, shucks I'm I'm going to apologize but I want to tell you about Jesus but I you know I don't want to offend you I mean friends what are we doing we know that in, in history we are this close to the Lord's coming now having said that I look at what's happening in Israel now I look at some of the implications of this I read Ezekiel 38 and 39 about the war that's coming to Israel, the Gog-Magog War. And I read um, Isaiah 17 about the burden of Damascus, and Damascus ceasing to be a city. It's been a continuously inhabited city for close to uh, 4,000 years now, one of the oldest cities in the world, always inhabited, always a city. It's never ceased to be a city. And now we have uh, someone in the uh, Israeli cabinet, I believe, someone in their intelligence division saying, you know, such and such happens, we're going to level, we're going to obliterate Damascus. It's amazing to me the times we live in. It's amazing to me. And again, going back to Ezekiel 38 and 39, friends, never in our lifetimes, never in the history of the world have we had all the players um, on the stage of this world making statements that would only fit in that kind of scenario. We got Erdogan in Turkey, um, Certainly on the Palestinian side, on the, on the side of Hamas, and on the side of the you know the the the, um, the people that want to basically um, wipe Israel off the map. We have Iran and the mullahs and the, and the and the Republican Guard. They're the people that are just itching to get into a fight with Israel. I just said it today. They said uh, you know uh, basically they're going to open up the gates of hell. Um, And that there'll be a great seismic activity in Israel, meaning, I guess, some kind of weapon or something like that. And then we have, of course, and this is ominous, we have the Chinese getting involved. They're making their statements that Israel should basically uh, go about a ceasefire now and and essentially uh, tamp it down. Um, And then I think the most ominous of all is we have Russia uh, via Vladimir Putin um, saying very provocative things, uh, basically that Israel should, should have a ceasefire and that uh, they're warning third parties I think namely the United States and others not to get involved um, and then we read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and we know that there's a time coming when there'll be a, a evil axis uh, consisting of Turkey um, of, of Iran certainly and of Russia uh, attacking Israel coming down from the north um, this, this evil coalition against God's people against God's covenant land so Having said that, am I saying that in the coming days and weeks, this is going to lead to a Gog, Magog type, Ezekiel 38, 39 more? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not a false prophet. I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord. This is exactly what's going to happen. But what I am saying is this. Never in my lifetime, uh, never before now, have we had all the people, all the players on stage to see that these things are going to happen. Friends, it could lead to that. I mean, we could see certainly see things accelerate to the point where... Israel has to hit back, take care of the Iranian proxies and in, in Syria, hit Damascus, level Damascus, fight back, have Iran get involved, and possibly, because of Syria and Iran, have Russia get involved. Is this going to be that? I don't know. Is it leading to that? I believe it ultimately will. It's got to come. I mean, it's in, in Scripture. It's going to happen sooner or later, and the way things are happening now, this is conjecture on my part, but I believe it's going to be sooner. The way things are accelerating, not just on the geopolitical end and all the troubles that we're seeing, but like I mentioned before, with AI and 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 ChatGPT and all the things that are happening, all the deception, all the spiritual deception that are coming. We want to rewrite the Bible, and the, the Chinese want to rewrite the Bible, and and um, people that that do uh, that handle um, AI technology want to have a new Bible,
2: a Bible that will include all. Gutenberg printed the Bible. In the middle of the 15th century, the the, the printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. We, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about. Having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. Every religion claims our book, all oh, the books of the other religions, they humans wrote them. But our book, no 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 no. It came from some superhuman intelligence. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct. That just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality. In a few years. Um, We're in very dangerous times.
0: Never before has it been like this. So, am I saying this is the very end and Jesus is coming back momentarily? No, I'm not saying that. But I do believe this as we discern the times and the seasons that is coming is at the door. That the rapture is at the door. Because spiritual deception is rampant. The Middle East is a tinderbox. And... Friends, we have little time. The time to act is now. So what do we do? If you know Jesus, what do we do right now? If you understand prophetically the time that we're in and how close we are to the Lord's soon return and to the rapture, friends, you would be doing and I'd be doing and I'm going to do everything in my power to tell everyone I know and everyone I don't know that Jesus is coming back they have to repent and get right with God. There's little time left and to call out to them, explain the gospel to them. Take them through what's happening in the world now and say, listen, it's never been like this. The Bible predicts these things. And now we have all the players over there now prophetically and and tell them, plead with them, come to Jesus, get your heart right, confess your sins. You know, God's not going to come back like a cosmic Santa Claus and wink and say, okay, everything's great. Let's all go to heaven now. There are people on his right hand and people on his left hand, people that are in, people that are out, sheep, goats. And it's our job right now as believers to do everything we can to go out and compel people to come in. In this little bit of time left, while we still have daylight left, we have to be about the Lord's business. Amen? Let me read something for you real quick. Out of Mark 13, 32. No one knows the day or the hour, but concerning the day... Or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And here's what Jesus says, friends. Be on guard and keep awake, for you do not know what hour the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge. Each one has his work and commands a doorkeeper to stay awake. Jesus says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know the hour that the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And he will say to all, and he says to all, stay awake. So now is the time to act. If you see the things that are happening in the world, and you're sort of on the fence before, well, I think we're kind of getting close, but Jesus might not come back for a few thousand years. Friends, I think that's just, I think that's, apathy at best, and I think it's biblical ignorance at worst, I think we're you would have to ignore what's happening in the world today and ignore what the scriptures say about Jesus in return. I'm not saying this to inflame your emotions or alarm you. I'm just telling you as a brother, as a friend in the Lord, as a fellow servant, to let's be about the Lord's business. Watch what's happening in the Middle East. Watch what's happening in the world. Read your Bible. Fall more and more in love with Jesus. And gain a biblical, not even gain it, have a biblical sense of urgency to go out and compel people to come in. That's the Lord's heart. So the time to act is now. Friends, we should all have a biblical sense of urgency to literally go out and snatch people, pull people out of the fire. Amen? Why don't we do this? Because, but for the grace of God, there go I. We were in that situation. If you don't know Jesus, if you didn't know Jesus at the time, I mean, you were were taken out of that situation. Why? Because someone told you the gospel. Someone shared the message uh, of hope with you. Someone shared the good news with you. But the good news is only good if you understand the bad news. The bad news is because all these things are happening. God's judgment's about to fall. God's judgment's going to come upon this world on an unrepentant world. So we, we have to go out and tell people. There's no other way. All this relational evangelism, friendship, gospel, coffee talk, months after months after months of meeting, going to carnivals, going to trunk retreats, going to picnics, inviting people to your small group, inviting people to come check out this or come to that program, friends. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. These people that are dying and going to hell are not guaranteed tomorrow. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart today is a day of salvation. As Christians, we have a job to do. We have to go out and win the lost. You don't have to earn the right to share the gospel. You are given the right by Jesus via the Great Commission. He said to go unto all the world and have coffee for months and months and months, right? And I don't know what version that is. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all men. So do it with love and do it with Holy Spirit-filled zeal. Amen? If you're not a Christian, and you happen upon this video or this podcast, and you've heard the things we're talking about, and maybe you're frightened, and perhaps you could see the things that are happening in the world and say, yeah, I mean, this is crazy, the things that are happening in the Middle East and, and uh, all the things that are going on, and one group saying one thing, another group saying another, and and here in my country, there's a lot of upheaval, and there's there's uh, uh, economic distress and distress in my family, and I don't know what I'm going to do, And if, but I see what's happening over there, and frankly, it scares me. Friends, this message is for you too. I want you to consider the words that I said. I want you to read your Bible, especially the Gospel of John, so you can hear the words of Jesus and see them for yourself and understand what I'm talking about. And then look at the world today and understand that this is winding down. That these days, we're not going like this forever. We're going to reach a crescendo, an inflection point, a boiling point, when eventually Jesus is going to come back either as Savior for people or for their judge. And that depends on what you do with Jesus right now. And if you don't know him as your Savior, I would plead with you. I would lovingly plead with you to repent. That means to change your way of thinking. That's a Greek word that's called metanoia. That means changing my way of thinking to think, I was right I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do things my way and changing, taking a 180 degree turn and doing things God's way. God is right. His word is right. I'm gonna live for him now. I'm gonna confess my sin. I'm gonna ask Jesus to cleanse my sin and save my soul and make me a new person. I'm gonna put all of my faith in him. I remember what that man said on the, on YouTube or on the podcast. If I confess Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God did raise him from the dead, whether you're a Jew or Gentile, you'll be saved. And that's my hope for you, dear friend. So the time to act is now. God bless you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem as we read in Psalm one twenty two six. And we'll talk to you again soon. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you again on the next episode. Be sure to go to concernofthetimes.com and sign up to receive our latest articles, to share your prayer requests, and to get in touch with us. Before you go, I want to ask if you would please remember to rate and subscribe to our podcast. It's a tangible way to help us reach people with the gospel and to encourage other believers as we see the day approaching. Until next time, every blessing in Jesus, dear friends.